Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from each week's NASCAR race. This week, Darlington. Hello and thanks for tuning in. My name is Connor and you are listening to the Top 5 where every week I share with you my top 5 takeaways from the NASCAR race. This week we are discussing Darlington, throwback weekend. But before we get into it, if you could please take a moment and check out my Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash the top 5. Also, if you could check me out on Facebook facebook.com forward slash the top five all spelled out so without any further ado let's get right into this week's countdown number one i'll be honest i'm not a big fan of the whole throwback thing i think it's a gimmick and i think it's necessary if you looked in the stands there was a pretty low attendance and by necessary i mean It's necessary because Darlington Spring Race isn't drawing as big of a crowd and they're looking for a a gimmick to try and bring fans in. Uh, I I don't need gimmicks. I just want to see good racing. And frankly, Darlington provides good racing. So I don't know why this needs to be a thing. It was better when they did throwback weekend, uh, I believe it was Labor Day weekend uh, with the Southern 500. But with the ever-evolving schedule, Darlington no longer has that race. They still have the Southern 500, but it's in the playoffs. And I don't believe it's Labor Day weekend. But it is what it is. Uh, another reason I don't like the the throwback scheme is it's hard to tell which car is which. I know that's kind of weak but honestly i i look for the yellow car the yellow 18 or the yellow 22 or the the bright blue number nine uh it's easy to to mark out those cars and they're all different colors now uh that said i think the william byron 24 throwback was pretty darn cool also with the ever-evolving uh booth announcers in fox's booth to keep with the theme they had a different announcer for each segment they had richard petty the king for segment one they had bobby allison for segment two and they had bill elliott for segment three side note bill elliott has the coolest nickname in the history of nascar awesome bill from dawsonville i love that nickname but i think what having the rotating uh rotating announcers in the booth has highlighted is a how truly difficult it is to be good at broadcasting a race to look at it from the unbiased perspective and be able to translate what you're seeing in real time is a hard skill and i think it also highlights how good clinton boyer has gotten at it i think uh he's he's fantastic and the additions the guests in the booth if you will 
are less than good at it. But with all that, let's get into the actual racing itself. Number two. So the race got underway, and almost immediately, Brad Kay spun out on lap three. He did have a, a pretty fantastic save. He kept it from too much damage. Uh, another amazing save early in the race on the first pit stop was Kurt Busch's team stopped him from leaving the pits uh, with a, a wheel that was not properly attached. That, uh, that saved a, a huge suspension for the crew chief and kept them in the race, at least for a while. Uh, when a little bit later in stage one, towards the end, Eric Jones got spun out and the king, his car owner, was in the booth. He was not very pleased. And that shows, as I was previously mentioning, how hard it is to be unbiased when broadcasting. Obviously, Richard Petty has a vested interest in Eric Jones, and I don't blame him. I'm not saying that I would be able to do it. It's it's not easy. Uh, other than that, Joey won stage one. They brought Bobby Labonte in the booth for, for stage two. I thought that Bobby Labonte of the three did the best job. He didn't have a lot to say, and I think that that's impactful. He saved his thoughts for when they when they mattered. So when he spoke up, I listened because I wanted to hear what he had to say. Um, into stage two, Larson was out with a, a motor issue. Uh, he had a, a spin in stage one, got back up into the top 15, and then something happened with his motor, took him out of the race. Uh, and then lap seven, 170, Brad Keselowski, something broke on his car. He went right, made a right turn into the wall and took out Kyle Busch, broke a toe link. Uh, so first, Brad Keselowski, currently 31st in points. I don't believe he has a single top five, a single top 10. Uh, I guess he does have one top 10. It's just a pitiful year. Just a really bad, bad year for, for Kyle Bo or uh, Brad Keselowski. Moves to a new team that he is now part owner of, looking to make waves, and is just struggling. And I know Brad Keselowski. I, I'm not a huge fan. I don't dislike him either. He's, he's a good good driver. I know that he has it in him. Obviously, he's a former champion. He's made the playoffs multiple times. He's a hell of a driver. He's going to rebound. But I think the only way he makes it into the playoffs this year is, is with a win. But the bigger story from that was Chase, uh, sorry, not Chase Elliott, Kyle uh, Busch, uh, which I'm going to get into next. Stage two was won by Ross Chastain, who just can't stop from being up front. But the big story of that was Kyle Busch, which I'm going to dedicate an entire segment to. Number three. So little baby boy Kyle gets taken out by Brad Kay. That stinks. Sorry to hear that. It was nothing he did. It was not his fault. And I get at this level, tension is high. The stakes are high. Emotion is high. 
He has every single right to be as mad as he wants to be. But to take the car, drive the car to the entrance of the garage on pit road and then just stop is unforgivable. It is, he his all about me and make a big scene mentality is pathetic. It's childish. It's petty. And it's the reason why so many people hate him. If he had parked that in his pit or driven it back to the garage, got out and thrown a fit and pissed and moaned and cried, I, I wouldn't have blamed him. If I was him, I would have been upset too. But to basically throw an adult temper tantrum is unforgivable. And I think the reason that he did that was in response to the, the time last year, maybe it was, I think, I think it was last year. In the same type of thing, he got taken out and he went flying through the garage area. He hit orange cones. There were pedestrians walking. It was incredibly unsafe. It was another Kyle Bush throwing a temper tantrum. He's lucky he didn't uh, hurt or even worse, uh, kill somebody. Uh, NASCAR fined him. So I think he, in response, he stopped at the entrance. But there's all these other drivers and competitors that now have to make pace laps because they have to stop and take care of crybaby Bush's car. It is such a all-about-me mentality that is just unforgivable. I know a lot of people uh, love Kyle Busch and love when he, he makes people angry, and I get that. I think the provoking nature of somebody can be interesting or funny, uh, in sports or in politics or in any other aspect of life, I can get a chuckle out of that. But this is different. This is childish, immature, and just bad sportsmanship. And I think that's what makes me so angry about it. If you want to, you know, piss off NASCAR or make a point. I'm with you. Even if I don't agree with you, I don't have to. But don't be a bad sport. Be a baby. Cry all you want. Be a decent sport. Let's get back to racing. Number four. So stage three gets going. Bill Elliott was in the booth. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. And stage three was pretty eventful. Uh, with 99 to go, Ross Chastain wrecked. Tough luck for him. He'll bounce back. Like I said earlier, he, he just can't help but to be up front in all of these races. I thought he and Logano had the best two cars and would be battling for the, the lead, but it happens. Uh, 38 to go, Alex Bowman spun, and while making uh, caution laps, he caught fire which was an incredibly lucky caution for Tyler Reddick because he had already pitted and the rest of the field hadn't. So he could get out. And it became abundantly clear that clean air at Darlington was the, the key, was the ticket. On that caution, Denny Hamlin had something happen in the pits. Cost him a lot of spots. He had been running up front all day. On the restart of that was a massive wreck. I wouldn't say massive. It, it was it was an impressive wreck, though. Um, 
Truex, something happened. He was in the front, near the front, I think in fifth. Slowed up, got three wide, back end came around in front of the field. Took out Bubba Wallace, took out Kurt Busch, took out a handful of cars. Kurt Busch smoked the wall. He's not having the best of season either. He He's 21st in standings. He can still rebound if he had a handful of top fives and maybe even a win. But I liked on that caution, Bill Elliott said, I never heard a concrete wall. It won every time. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, but in stage three, this really turned into kind of a wreck fest. There were uh, 13 cars that did not finish. That's tied with Talladega. That's uh, that's a lot of DNFs for, for one track, especially for a track that's not a, a super speedway. So after the restart, William Byron took the lead. Some say that he pushed uh, Joey Logano up into the wall to take the lead. And he was way out in front. He had a good second lead. And then with six to go, it was like Logano flipped a light switch on and uh, Byron flipped one off. Because Byron just got crazy loose. Couldn't, could not make good laps. Logano was running him down. And the big moment of the race, coming to the white flag out of going into turn three and, and coming out of turn four, Joey Logano hit the bump and run on Byron, put Byron in the wall. Byron cut two tires. Joey to the lead, uh, was able to, to hold it off, one from the pole, pole to finish. Uh, William Byron was less than impressed. Here are William Byron's post-race thoughts. Almost like it was a retaliation thing. Did you guys have something happen before that? No, I mean, we were really close off of two, and I think it spooked him and got him tight, and he was right against the wall, and I got the lead. And he's just an idiot. I mean, he, he does this stuff all the time. I've, I've seen it um, with other guys. And, I mean, he drove in there 10 mile an hour too fast. And with these next-gen cars, you know, he slammed me so hard, it knocked the whole right side off the car, and no way to make the corner so um yeah he's just a moron he, he can't win a race um so he does it that way so i don't know well uh yeah it was close racing on the restart we were faster than him obviously at the end right rear started to go away and um yeah he didn't even make it a contest okay william settle down poops i get every everything that he said was just fine with me. He's a moron. He's an idiot. That's fine. Whatever. But he can't win a race, so he does it that way. Uh, it's, a, it's a former champion, bud. That guy's won a lot of races. And whether you agree with it or not, and William Byron should be mad. And when I was talking earlier about Kyle Busch, William Byron had sportsmanship. He finished the race, drove his car into pit road, got out, and said what he felt he needed to say. That's how you're supposed to handle that. William Byron is young. He looks like he's 14. And he has more sportsmanship than a, a vet in the, in the sport. It's pathetic. But to William Byron's point, I get him being mad. I understand. Uh, Joey feels 
like he was justified in his payback. I'll be honest, I tried hard to look at this from a biased standpoint, and I just can't. I finally threw up my hands and went, you know what? I'll be honest, I'm a Logano fan. It is what it is. I, I can't change that I'm a Logano fan, and I'm happy he won. So I understand Byron being mad. I wouldn't be surprised if there was payback coming. I know uh, Joey's no stranger to getting payback. So we'll see what happens. But in the end, I, I do think that William Byron was less than clean on the restart, putting Joey in the wall. He ran him up high. He didn't give him room. I do think that Joey was wrong in the bump and run. He could have passed him without having to bump and run. But I'm not mad about it. And it's been made clear that this is the way that racing is from now on. So you got to do what you got to do to get a win. And he's my driver. Then I'm, I'm happy about it. If he wasn't my driver, if, if it was roles reversed, I'd be livid. Byron fans deserve to be livid. Byron deserves to be livid. Joey fans deserve to be happy and celebrating. And we'll move on to another week of racing. Which brings me to my last point. Number five. My last point, as always, is looking forward to the next race. So next week, we have Kansas Speedway. The Advent Health 400. Now, I feel like the uh, spring race in Kansas was always held on Saturday night. Not sure why it switched to Sunday afternoon, but I'm fine with that. Um, Kansas is, is a unique track. It almost always comes down to fuel mileage. Uh, there's been tons of exciting finishes there. I'm excited to see it, as always. I don't really have a lot of to say about kansas it provides good racing but it's not one of those tracks that jumps out and you go oh sweet kansas so i'll look forward to watching it hopefully we see good racing and my prediction is uh kyle larson gets the win i i just can't imagine kyle larson has a dnf and doesn't show up the following week to race uh, although my backup prediction is Ross Chastain because he's just up front in every single race. He either gets dumped or, or wrecks it or wins it. So those are my two predictions. Hopefully I'm right. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in. Please take a moment to go over to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top five, facebook.com forward slash the top five all spelled out t-h-e-t-o-p-f-i-v-e and share with me your thoughts i love to talk about nascar i love to have conversations agree disagree doesn't matter let's have a fun conversation and enjoy our thoughts on this wonderful sport so thanks so much for tuning in this has been the top five and i'm Kyle.